Welcome to Fans of the Forge, where we are recapping Season 6, Episode 22. God, how, how do they say this? The Lockaber. Lockaber Axe. Yes. Yeah. And amongst other things that we're going to talk about, we're going to start off with our wrap-up of this episode. So, first off, we had Jared Hobson, full-time farrier, seven years. Uh, he's also had two years as a bladesmith. Um, we have Joshua Frost, five years, part-time experience. Jesse Delvo, 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 yeah. Delvo. I'm sorry. Part-time Smith, six years of experience, and Daniel Williams, part-time Smith, six years of experience. Yep. So round one, they are tasked with forge welding some steel from barbed wire with the bars from the outside of the, these cages that yeah. were made, and um, they have to make a blade in their signature style that'd be between eight and ten inches long with an integral handle. That's key. Integral. And integral handle and knuckle duster with three points of contact. Right. Yikes. So that's that's a lot. Like yeah. doing integral anything is not easy. Never mind the handle and knuckle duster. Right. And you gotta do some sort of sand mai to yeah. yeah, to get the barbed wire incorporated into your billet. So uh Jared goes with canister Damascus. Doesn't put any liquid white in there. No, no white out. Um, uses a hot cut to separate the handle. It was an interesting method, I thought. For mm. you know, you, you have to keep the me- you know you're trying to use the same piece of metal, and that's one way to separate right. it. So it worked pretty well. And uh, his first to quench and goes to the grinder to start hogging off material. All right, we're gonna talk right now about that term, hogging off material, yeah, because about- never have they said hogging off material in the entire time I remember watching this show. I don't ever remember hearing that term. And then they said it like five times oh, in this really? episode. And it wasn't just one guy. No. It was three different guys I wanted, that went to the grinders. I think it's a, well, I don't know about the it being on a show, but it's a common term. Is it? Yeah. I've never heard that. Oh. Hogging off material. Okay. Uh, yeah, you hog it off. I guess I'm, I'm ignorant I think you're, Yeah, you're, you're late to the show. Yeah. Moving on to Joshua, he puts one piece of barbed wire in his canister on one side so he knows where it is. He easily removes the canister and drifts three holes for his handle. I don't know why he went. Three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then quenches and moves to the grinder, and he found a cold shut, but he was able to grind it out. Well, that was really smart the way he did it because he took one piece of barbed wire and now yeah, just, and he's like, this is going to be right here on my right. spine. Just one small piece was an inch long, maybe inch and a half, and just put it right in there. And, yeah. yeah, you know, it's not going to cause any major issues there, and it's within parameters. Yeah, everything about it. Yeah. So it was good uh, for Jesse. He creates two billets that he's going to forge weld later instead of going with canister. He flattened his billet. A lot, and then tries to get the canister off. Had some some trouble with well, that. Yeah, because so like every time they they make a Damascus billet or they do a canister Damascus, they have this square profile, and they go to the press and they use the square dies to squeeze it in and, and tighten everything up. But then he proceeded to flatten it, flatten it, flatten yeah. it, which it I mean, was flat. And then he's trying to get the can off at that point. Well, he and, had to get it off because he used whiteout on it. He didn't. Well, no, but I'm saying that he, he, when he, when he chose to do it was after it was really right. Flat. Right. So that didn't make it easy. Like no. it's, it's trying to flip all over the place like a fish. Right. It would have been fine if he didn't have the whiteout yeah. to ground through it. Right. But he had to get it off yeah. after that. So it was kind of a pain in the ass. 
so he has a crazy shaped billet and he's trying to forge his handle. And with five minutes left, goes for a quench. Uh, moving on to Daniel, he also chose Candace of Damascus, but it didn't take well, so he had to start over. Oh, yeah. Then he goes to the press before the billet is like really up to temperature mm-hmm. and sees it's cracked and has to restart again. Right. Ends up making a San Mai taco and makes an integral guard from rebar and then does a quench. Except it's not an integral, but it's not integral. Because it's made from it's rebar. separate steel. But he, he, with with half an hour left, he, he did a, a whole a sand mai, came out with a billet and his and it actually looked kind of badass. It looked okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have to mention the fact that dude was a giant. He was yeah, he big was big guy. I think he even mentioned and everyone calls him the gentle giant. Yeah. I was like that's a cool guy. Yeah. Anyway, all right, moving on to judging. So Jared. They say it's uh, solid, but the webbing on the handle uh, kind of digs into the fingers. Mm-hmm. For Josh, the handle's not functional, but it needs a, a lots of lot of refining to get functional. To get functional. Yeah. For Jesse, it's a good aggressive blade needs to refine his webbing, and for Daniel, the blade doesn't have an integral knuckle duster, so he has to leave the forge. Yep. Which that's the rules. That's the way it goes. For round two, no additional materials are provided because. We, you don't need to put any scales on or anything because it's an integral handle. You're you're just using that one piece of steel. But they are allowed to weld on more material to their blade yeah. at this point. And they're given two hours to do that. Jared starts by fixing his knuckle duster. And his big concern is his fit and finish. He's just not as good as, with the fit and finish. Um, and then he finished early. And the judges... Gave him a lot of shit for that when he put yeah. the knife down with 20 minutes left. And uh, they've made a point to say, you know, it never seems to go well for those guys that quit early no. and, and decide that they're done with time to spare. So, I mean, you know, I, I mean, if there's nothing else you can do. That's what I say. If there's nothing else you can do, like it's sharp to the point that you are satisfied with it. He knows that's going to be tested. So putting like a super thin edge on it, probably not going to do them very good. Right. And the ammo can stab and, and smash. Right. You know, having a super thin edge is not going to help them out. So, but it know. does have to be sharp enough to slice for the, the cut test. So I'm, it might've been, it might've been maybe, maybe, maybe oh, still have to we'll find see. out. Then for Joshua, he cut some holes into his handle with the torch, which I thought was a, good idea that probably saved him some time and he welded on some material for his handle then proceeded to break it while trying to hammer it in place and makes another one and it was interesting they're allowed to to use whatever metal they wanted to but he chose the rebar which he then had to grind off the texture of the rebar and get down to just regular steel underneath it like they don't have any round stock in the shop seems so strange to me but Whatever. And then for Jesse, he continues to work on fixing his handle and then hogs off some more material <laughs> and finds a delamination between his two billets. So, unfortunately, that was like right as time yeah. was ending. He's like, nothing you can do at that point. For testing, they had the ammo can stab and chop. Jared had a lot of edge deformation and some chipping in his edge. 
the handle was really long and there was a pinch point where the middle finger uh, ends up when you're holding the, the, yeah. the knife. For Josh, he lost some pieces of metal from the chopping and the puncturing worked a lot better, but it did hurt Jay's hand a little bit because the handle was not great for Jay's hand at least. And then for Jesse, stabbed into the can nice and easy. Had a huge handle, but it held together and he did a good job. Then for the sharpness test, it was the sandbag, punch, and slice. Which, okay. The punches were not really punches. It was like a shadow boxing. Like, it, like he barely touched it. It was kind of cool because it was like kind of quick. It was quick, but it... You expected to bah, like really punch the thing. <laughs> I, I want to see it like when they no, come back not, and right? slices it. Yeah. But he like it didn't move. Yeah, it's true. It did those bags didn't move at all. No. <laughs> anyway, Jared, he had a very stout edge that was already rolled over after that chop yeah. onto the ammo can and it, it did not cut. Did not cut. For Josh, he cut, no problem. And for Jesse, he had a big handle, but he had a very Sharp edge, and that will also cut. So, Jared gets the boot because he took the most edge damage during the sharpness test, and his blade was no longer sharp for the cut test. Yeah. Now, could he have done anything? I don't know. I don't know, because it, don't wasn't, know. it wasn't that it wasn't sharp enough, right? Because what happened was is, is the metal itself bent and rolled over, right. and that's how he lost his sharpness during the strength test. If... Maybe you, you couldn't really make it sharper. I mean, if you went, you couldn't go thinner on it, or also it just would have deformed. Right, it that's what I was saying. So, and he did like he did serious damage during the ammo can chop. Yeah, he did a lot more damage than I think the other two guys. That's, yeah, I for certain the the second um, for for Josh because I looked at the cans and I was like, wow, Jared, his the can is just like there's big, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it was beat up. So, you know, it took a lot of damage, but it did a lot of damage. Right. So, it's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, it is. But Jared got the boot, and they yep. moved on to round three. The Lockaber Axe. The Lockaber Axe. So, it's the weapon of choice for Scottish Highlanders in the 1600s. It's a polearm with a hook at the tip of the shaft to pull warriors from the horses and then smacked them with their axe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the fucking axe design of this thing. It was... It was like a slab of metal. Yeah, it was... That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, the parameters had to be 15 and 18-inch blade. Uh, had to have a six-foot shaft and a hook on the shaft. So, for Josh, on day one, he has to forge everything by hand and forges the length and width. Day two, forges out his hook. He found a crack in the hook, so he had to start over. He's all pissed off. Oh, yeah. Day four, he has to by hand drill his the holes because the axe won't fit on a drill press the proper way, and he broke a drill bit while drilling a, a hole through the shaft. And he had to leave it there, essentially. I guess. I don't you know. Really they didn't show what happened after that. I think he said that. No, he's just gonna he said it. you can't get it. I'm like, I don't know about that. You can go in here. I don't know. But anyway... Moving on to Jesse, day one forges out the blade shape, focusing on making it lighter. Mm -hmm. I think he might have been doing his by hand also. I didn't see any power tools there. No, he showed I, him hammering it. Yeah. Uh, on day three, he did an edge quench on his blade and cuts an octagon shape for a shaft and attaches it. He drilled through the sockets and hook and secured it all together. 
And then on day four, he did some fit and finish work. And then I put a note here, premonition time. Yeah. Jesse talked a lot about the weight of his blade and says, I hope it doesn't come down to the weight to make the decision. <laughs> premonition time. I'm oh. all I'm saying here. They, that's right. what Dahl during those, they were mentioning the weight during days one through four for him. So. It's a slab of metal. I got, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's going to be heavy. So moving on to testing, kill piss, uh, kill test, pig carcass. Yes. So for Josh, it is a pork chopper. It's fun to wield. It's sharp. It will kill. Holy shit! Yeah, I think it was pretty wild. You swing that thing. It was it was digging very far in when yeah. with one swing. It was crazy. For Jesse, uh, Doug does a little spin after the final swing when he cut through the pig because of the weight of the axe kept pulling him around. Yeah. Um, but it will kill also. For the strength test, uh, for Dave Barker, he did a shield, hook, and attack. So uh, for Josh, it took a little bit of deformation where the edge hit some of the steel studs in the shield. But everything is still solid. It's a strong axe. Nicely done. For Jesse, the edge took a roll and a chip, but it's still sharp everywhere else. Nicely done. Finally, sharpness test, sugarcane slice for Josh. The shaft is contoured well to make indexing the blade easier. Yeah, he had the octagon like shape of his handle to make it just kind of made it nicer to grab it. Did he have the octagon? Did he not? Or did Jesse have the octagon? Scroll up. Oh Jesse. shit! Never mind then. All right. It will cut. Yes. So for Jesse, the blade is heavy. Yeah, it will cut, but the blade weight crushes some of the cane instead of cuts it. Right. So, Jesse gets the boot. Congrats to Josh. The weapon took more damage and was heavier than Josh's. Yeah. So, that's why Jesse got the boot. Yeah. But it was a fun it one. It was close. I mean, they they both look kind of similar. and uh, just, It was a brutal design for a weapon, yeah. and I thought it was, it was neat. And uh, they both did a good job. Everyone on this episode did a good yep. job. Hell, the guy from the giant guy from Hawaii there, um, what's his name? Did they go too far. I didn't go far enough. Daniel. Yeah. I mean, he pulled it out at the last half hour to make a blade too. Like everybody yeah. did great in this one, and it was really uh, it was an interesting one. It was definitely a more challenging one with the integral handle for the first part. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Daniel didn't have to do an integral. And all this knuckle duster, you know, whatnot, he might have been in it. Right. Yeah. You know, right. that's something they don't normally ask to have done. Yeah. So they'll have you make canister if they don't ask you to do an integral anything. So. Yeah. You know. Well, they definitely have been picking up the difficulty of, yeah. the, of the challenges this season for sure. And that's it. That's our Forge and Fire right. wrap up for this week. So now a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back with the Gram Scan. All right, cool. This week's Gram Scan is going to be focused on one topic. The Straight Razor Challenge. Right. Hashtag Straight Ranger Challenge. You have four guys that competed to make straight razors in a month. Steve Schwartzer, Mike Poor, Tyler Hackbarth, and Marcus Ranum. You can find those guys on Instagram. Um, if they haven't posted pictures of it, we'll be posting their pictures soon uh, as part of the, the whole kind of 
finalization of the contest, um, we actually sat down with Albert Edmonds of Seattle Edge Sharpening and went through photos of all of the guys' straight razors. And we learned a lot from Albert. He really yeah. was a very informative guest and um, a great guy to go over these these knives with. Yep, absolutely. And you guys should really, if you haven't seen that video, check it out. you got to see the freaking straight razors that these guys built because yeah. they're all unique and they all are badass. Yeah. And so yeah, that's really it. Um, if you want to vote on that contest, by the time this is posted, hopefully there would be, I'll link it in the description below, a link to the Facebook poll where you can go vote on who you think should win and there should be pictures and stuff there as well. Definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. Really cool. I mean, it's stuff you would... I, not having seen any exotic straight razors before, these were really, really amazing oh, yeah. to look at. Yeah, So, sure. yeah, some really good quality stuff. So check them out. Yeah. And then we move on. We'll go to our next segment here. Uh, Tales from Infant Forge. Yeah. So this week. Dun, dun. Uh, let's see. Uh, what did we do this week? I, I got a little bit of forging time in. Unfortunately, I've been having some issues with my forge, and I haven't been able to maintain a proper forge burner running at the right. It's just it's been fucking up, and it's been acting weird, and and I can't seem to fix the problem. So I'm trying to kind of troubleshoot it right now, where the the flame backs up into the intake holes for the the burner itself, and it does not it no longer is providing enough heat to the forge. So it kind of makes for not a fun time. <laughs> makes it exciting. Makes it exciting <laughs> when the flame starts to move closer to the propane tank. Yeah. And you just freak out a little bit, and you run in and have to shut it off. So I didn't get to do as much forging as I wanted to. I did try also to attempt to straighten out some horseshoes using my map gas uh, little torch. How did that go? You have to hold the torch to those things for a long time yeah. to get it warm enough to move at all. And even then, it doesn't want to move in the direction you you want it to <laughs> move it in unless it's up to forging temperature. Yeah. So I was able to get, I was able to straighten them, a couple of them out at least enough so that I could put them into the forge without having to kind of like twist them sideways to get them in there because the, the regular horseshoe shape is just a little too big for gotcha. the forge I have. So now I can at least push them in and out and work on them without having to mess around too much. And other than that, that was really all the forging time I got this week. Um, but we do have some kitchen updates. And uh, why don't you start us off with uh, all right, got right here. Yeah, so I, uh, upon Chris's request, I made some, some candied bacon with the hot sauce that he made um, that I had made jerky with previously also. So a couple uses came out of that stuff. And uh came out pretty well. Um, the flavor profile wasn't quite there from the hot sauce. I mean, it depends. You know, for some of them, I threw some some uh, brown sugar on them because that's how I normally do them. And then some I did just some cracked pepper without the brown sugar on them. So those, you really, you get the heat, so you get more of that kind of flavor coming through. Here. It's yeah. good. It's so good. It's candied bacon. It's easy. It's, it's easy and it's bacon, so you know it's going to be good. Yeah. I was hoping 
again, let the marinade would affect it more. It's not quite like how the jerky that you made. Yeah, Something that, about the way the jerky worked. It's like, just, I don't know, it just holds, it, it'll hold it a lot better. So when you're biting into the jerky, you really, you can get it and then it, then it hits you. Especially if there's a little bit of like fat in the jerky. <laughs> yeah. Because then it like explodes a little bit of the juice out and it's like a flavor. It's nice. It's, it's really, really nice. good. Yeah. But this is good. I mean, it's great. Oh, bacon. Yeah. There is a little bit of heat from the hot sauce because I did have one of the sweeter ones before. Came out great. Yeah. I loved it. It's easy. So if you want to do that, uh, I think it, you can look up recipes online, but I think I just do like, it might be 350. You get a cooling rack. Here's what I do. I, I get a cooling rack, put that on a cookie sheet, and then put the bacon across that so that the fat can drip out of it. And then I think what I used to do traditionally was, I think it's, um, there's a, I forget what parts, but there's apple cider vinegar and brown sugar, I believe. Okay. And some maple syrup. You mix that up, and then you just kind of slather that on. Throw the bacon in the oven 10 minutes, I think. Pull it out, flip. Just keep glazing the stuff, and you just keep repeating basically until you're out of glaze, I'd say. And then that's it. So how long overall do you think it took you? Mm, I don't know, maybe half hour, 40 minutes. That's it? It's not yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, you're not there like forever, not more than an hour really yeah. dealing with it. But so with, with this stuff, I had the bacon and then I was just kind of brushing the hot sauce on. And then for some of them, I cracked some pepper and some I threw, I sprinkled some brown sugar on them and just repeat. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Came out pretty it's good. Very good. Yeah. It's always good. Well, I also had a little bit of a kitchen experience this week. There's a little thing that happened a few weeks ago called Amazon Prime Day. Oh, yeah. Where the deals come rolling in and you just keep an eye out for them. Just keep buying stuff. Exactly. And for a while, I've been thinking about buying a sous vide immersion circulator. And I've watched for a while and it's like, man, do I really need to spend, you know, $150 on this toy, essentially? Well, Amazon Prime Day came along and it was marked down to like 60 bucks. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I can justify that. So I bought that, bought a big rectangular tub to cook in. And if you're not familiar with sous vide cooking, it's basically you're you're putting your meat into a bag and vacuum sealing it no. and then hanging it in a water bath. And then the immersion circulator heats it up to a very specific temperature and holds it there for a long period of time. And the benefit of doing this is it gives you the perfect temperature for your meat. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a medium rare meat, yeah, it will always nail it right. and it will get to the right temperature. It won't go over that. So mm-hmm. it will keep it. Once it hits medium rare, even if you were to leave it in there a whole nother hour at that temperature... It won't go above it. It right. won't get any more cooked on the yeah. inside. So I did a two-hour recipe because this one that I have links to your phone, and you could just put the recipe right on through your phone, and then it just starts cooking, and then in two <laughs> oh, hours shit. it tells you you're done. Really? Yeah. Wow. So all I did was I took the steak. I, I did a little tenderization ahead of time, some salt and pepper to season it, and threw them. I think I did a couple, diff- maybe some Cajun seasoning too. All right. Um, I also got a little handheld vacuum sealer pump. Yeah. It's like a thing you stick on the bag, and the bag has a little vent circle, and you stick it on there, and you suck the air out. And then I threw that in there for two hours. And then the key 
to making it a very good steak is to take it out of the bag, dry it off, and then throw it on an extremely hot cast iron pan. Yeah. And get a nice really, sear on Get it. a nice sear and a little crunchiness mm. on there. I messed up. Oh. I I took it out of the bag and I threw it right into this there and I didn't dry it off or oh. let it sit and get some of the moisture out and it didn't it didn't crisp up. Uh. It got a little bit seared. But it didn't crisp up the way it was supposed to. And I think it was because there was so much liquid still coming out of it when I was trying to cook it. But still came out delicious. Yeah. Cooked perfectly. Nice. I mean, I like a medium rare steak. Yeah. I've never really been able to accurately do that on a, on a gas grill. You know, I get close. Yeah. But usually it's either I'm just below where I want it to be or I've gone past it. Yeah. I've never been able to cook it this perfect to where it's red in the middle the way I like it and still have a little bit of darkness on the outside. Oh, it was delicious. Nice. Awesome. So that was my first attempt. I'll get the cast iron stuff down. As it was, I bought this cast iron, uh, almost like a Dutch oven, but it's like a cast iron pot and pan combination years ago when I was experimenting making sourdough bread. And I haven't used it since then. I kind of had it sitting for a mm-hmm. while. And then I took, I was like, oh, wait, I have a skillet made of cast iron. That's perfect. I went and got it. Yeah. And there was this layer of sticky, gross stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I've never seen this before. And mm-hmm. so I had to look in and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I have to completely re-season this thing because if you just let it sit, especially the way I had this sitting was it was on top of the, the pot portion with the, the cooking surface hanging down. Mm. So basically the oil starts to come out of the pan and just stick to the surface and pool up. So I had to re-season the whole pan before I could even cook with it, which wasn't hard. And actually, I found found a a YouTube channel that was a very interesting guy. I don't know if I can find it quickly here. Um, Let me see how to season it. Clean a cast iron pan should be. There it is. Cowboy Kent Rollins. Cowboy Kent Rollins. I think I've seen that dude. Yeah, dude is yeah. funny. He does some jokes and stuff while he's doing it, and um, he's got you know six hundred forty-seven thousand subscribers on his oh, YouTube man. channel. It's more than us. Way more than us. And uh, yeah, he it was very informative. A good guy uh, yeah. to to listen to. So Cowboy Kent Rollins on YouTube, interesting little find in trying to get my cast iron. Cool. Going. But that was it. That was uh, my big kitchen adventure for this right. week. So we move on from Tales from the Infinite Forge to our last segment, Bladespeak. Bladespeak. All right. So in uh, what do you what do you say in in uh, what you know because we were talking about straight razors. What's like the little phrase in? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What you know what I mean? About. It's like in talking about and. You know, it's it's in reference to, but it's not saying reference to. It's I don't know. Since we were talking about straight razors, mm-hmm. and this came up during discussion with Albert, um, he mentioned this when we were looking at one of them. There's like a curved tip, and it's called a Spanish tip, right? So let's talk about that for blade speak. So. That is kind of defined as this curved kind of tip. Like a concave curve rather than a rounded edge. Right. Instead of rounded out, kind of it's you know curved inward. 
Right. And it stood out to me because it was very unique looking. And I, I hadn't noticed, I haven't seen much like that. I've seen straight razors with straight yeah. edges like that on the, on the end before, but never the curve. And never some like the stuff like the the one that Tyler Hackbarth had was like a mix of a curve and another one. And every, yeah, I don't remember the exact wording that Albert gave us, but basically he said that the design that he used was similar to like a a barber style where there's enough extra left that you can pinch the top of the blade to pull it out of yeah. the, the handle and open it up. But the Spanish tip itself is a new concept for for us, and it's it's interesting to see. A knife that comes with that particular style of of tip on it, because you're, you know, the knives that I'm used to looking at have a sharp, pointy tip, and obviously this is a straight razor used for for shaving, so you don't necessarily need right. it or want a tip on there. Especially, you probably don't want a tip on there no. because it's just going to make it that much more dangerous. Yeah. Have there been like machetes or something to have that that curve, like that's that Spanish tip? Or did he mm. mention? Um, <sighs> Was it the Tonto style, yeah. I believe, that Mike yeah. Poor had been using as kind of his basis for his design, which was the first one we saw that had this. Um, it It is reminiscent to me of competition choppers style design, mm. except that generally tends to be a flatter. But I have, I feel like I have seen some competition choppers that have that Spanish tip concurve in it and because you don't, when it comes to competition stuff, you're never using the yeah, point. You're never, yeah, right. So it's interesting to see um, that design. So that's it. That's our, our blade speak is the, the Spanish tip, a new, new tip style that yeah. we're not aware of. And maybe eventually someday get to try and do that on something. <laughs> well, Who knows? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Well. And I guess that's it. That's All right. It. We don't really have much else to say that's about it. it. It's just a neat tip. That's that we, a wrap. That's this week's episode. So, we got a little sticker board going on over there. Oh, yeah, I can get the sticker board and we'll show that too. You've been collecting some stickers? Yeah. What do we got? So, we have a Jason Knight beer maker, not a taker, right here. This is from Blacksmith Depot. It says forged. I broke this one. This one is from Whiskey Turtle Forge. I bought a hammer from him, and it oh. came. But the decal is like this. You can it's see very it is. Thin. It's very thin, and like there's supposed to be more to it, and I ripped it trying to get it off. Oh. Couldn't get it to work properly. Then, of course, you got a big, big blue, blue hammer. Yep. Mountain Forge Works. Yep. Gas knives oh, down yeah. there. Yep. Clean Slate Forge. And then the Angry Pepper. Angry Pepper. Monroe, Connecticut is a hot sauce store that I love. I went there once and I bought a bunch of hot sauce and some peppers and amazing stuff that they have there. Nice. So, so this is going to be adorning behind us here when we don't need the green. So it's going to be going up at some point. Stick it here right now. Oh, yeah? Oh, look so at that. Oh, you can't see it. You can't see it in the camera. I'll have to adjust wow, that. Look, well, look at all those stickers up there. You can kind of see the, the bottoms of some of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's one of the little projects I found myself working on this past summer now that Teresa has been away at camp all this some, time. Some black canvas. I had the black canvas sitting around for oh. a long time. I had painted it black with no real idea of what I was going to do with it. And then I was like, well, I want to get this thing off of my floor. Okay. And I had stickers, and I didn't know what to do with them. So 
There you go. There you go. So eventually, I'll fill it up a little bit more and maybe stick it on the wall of my forge, I think, maybe. But for now, it can go oh, on yeah, the wall here. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All so right. that's that. So thanks, everybody, for watching. And uh, remember to check out the the YouTube and the Facebook and the Instagram, Instagram accounts. Yeah. Our, our YouTube account is actually almost at 1,600 subscribers now. All right. It's nice. It's nice. Thank you for everyone who subscribed and followed us. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the show. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll catch you next week. See ya. I mean, how about Spanish tip? <laughs> That's like Spanish fly. There it is. Oh, dude. <laughs> that is so sick. <laughs> that is so sick. You got to post that. Oh, the black and white's <laughs> even cooler. That came out so yeah. good. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. dude. Dude, those are so dope. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we do one where we were all like have a boss pose while we we're sitting at the table too? Oh, yeah, I think is that's that it. it? Mm. Not quite. That's, oh, that's, that's, is that in the library? Yeah, that's in the library. Yeah. That's so cool. Those came out pretty dope, dude. Oh, now that's like, <laughs> zoom in on that one, zoom in on that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Those, oh, that's so dope, man. I'm so glad we fucking found that room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>